Here's why I want to have just like 1% of L. Ron Hubbard's like shameless power. I've just heard this fucking story for the first time. I've heard a lot of crazy stories about L. Ron Hubbard, but this one's new to me. And as somebody who's very shy and who wants desperately not to be, who's trying very hard to, to, to break out of that shell and just be more of a uh, of an entertainer, of an extrovert, of all the rest. <clears throat> um, here's a story. L. Ron Hubbard said that he had a way to make people's minds perfect. It's called Dianetics. And he could make your mind perfect. Your mind has flaws. He could make it perfect. This is actually not that weird for psychology in a way uh, at the time, but it's also incredibly strange, I think. And so the way that he proves that he could do this is he brings up a young woman that he says has gone through the mind purification process onto a stage in front of skeptics. And he says that this person, this young woman, can remember everything. Everything that's ever happened to her. This this young woman can remember every single thing that's ever happened to her. And so people start asking her questions like, what did you have for breakfast on October 13th? In the year, you know, 20 years ago. Etc. Now, she can't answer questions like that, and she says, I don't know. I can't answer. I don't know. And that's already really embarrassing, right? But at one point, they have L. Ron Hubbard turn around, and they ask her what color tie he was wearing, what color shirt he was wearing, and she couldn't fucking answer that. And I bring this up because he just kept going. That was live and in front of people, and they all saw it, and there were reporters there, and he just kept going. And he just kept going. And I just want 1% of that. Just 1% of that shame. People think I'm shameless because I can masturbate and record the MP3, but you try sleeping in your car, assholes. You get used to it real fucking quick. Uh, I don't know what else to tell you. Like, there's other periods of my life where I've been brought lower, so this is some easy shit for me. This isn't shame. Like, you think this is shameless? Have you ever worked for a Fortune 500 company? They are inhuman. Uh, (laughs) they treat you like cattle, except that they tell you to your face. Ugh. So... Wow, no, not a lot of laughs from that. Okay, that's okay. That's okay. It's a, it's a sad night. I'm trying to be fun. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna. Yes, indeed, uh, Linda Elron Hubbard is the guy behind Scientology. Dianetics was pre-Scientology. Dianetics was the psychological version of the religion, <laughs> and it gets into that. Uh, Dianetics is the is the not religious portion of Scientology, essentially. <laughs> I also remember, as soon as I heard Dianetics, I also remember the commercials with the book and the close-up and the volcano. It's going to give him, L. Ron Hubbard is giving this book away for you to free. I don't remember the aliens. Were there aliens? I remember the volcano. I remember the lightning. I don't remember aliens in that commercial. There could have been. Were there aliens? Shit. (laughs) Maybe I should have picked this book up. 
Oh, man. So I didn't read Dianetics. Just, okay, currently you all want to talk about... You don't want to talk about the economy. You want to talk about Ron Hubbard. That's okay. That's fine. I've got this... No, wait, that's fine. Let's just throw away that... Here's the economic stuff. We'll just go ahead and just throw that... Okay, there's the economic stuff gone. Let's talk about the fucking L. Ron Hubbard. So here's the thing. I've never read Dianetics, and I haven't read the Scientology, and I've never been read by a meter. But I have. But I have, unfortunately, read something called the Decalogue. Oh, this is embarrassing. I didn't think I'd be talking about this tonight. This is very embarrassing. The Decalogue, Jack? That sounds elegant. That sounds like something a young scholar would read. The Decalogue, why, that sounds like something mildly Judaic or religious in some way. I bet it's a really commendable. So here's what the Decalogue is. Deca means ten, and log just means story or spoken. The Decalogue is L. Ron Hubbard's sci-fi masterpiece. It's ten books long about an alien species, really just an alien, who comes to New York to make Earth kind of a launching point for the alien species to have a war further out in the galaxy. But it turns out that he kind of likes Earth, so instead he just kind of fucks our women and becomes CEO of every industry and drives a race car. And uh, this is book one of ten. So... (laughs) I'm reading book three or four. Oh, also, he's the only guy who can fuck. Every, all all human beings are impotent and think sex is icky, except for this one guy, uh, this one alien. Uh, and then here's and then also his dick is already the best dick ever because two women say it, uh, like like they just say those words after he has sex with them. But he also uses his alien technology to make it better because he makes a hospital that he's the CEO of. Uh, and so he uses the CEO that he's a hospital. This is all book three. This is a minor, minor plot point, Jake. So the CEO that he's a hospital of, that he uses all the money that he uses from controlling the stock markets. Well, he he only knows of one stock market, L. Ron Hubbard. So there's only the the, the one stock. So they keep saying the stock market, singular. Uh, so he controls this, all the world's money through the stock market, which is very, very funny. Uh... And so he uses all the money to make the hospital that he can have his penis enhanced in. And so he gets his penis enhanced, and he has sex with a nurse, because as soon as she sees his enhanced penis, she has to have sex with him. And so they have sex, but his penis is now huge. Uh, It was already huge, but it's bigger than it ever was. And because his penis is so big, of course, that means now, this is how it works, of course, he comes more, because that's how a science fiction writer thinks. And so his giant penis now, because it comes so much, this is this is where this is where I this is how I tell people how these books are written. And like the level of maturity and like grace that they have so that when I found out that this guy was a religious figure and people took him seriously, I literally couldn't stop laughing. Here's why. Ready? This was all the setup. So the alien finishes having sex with this nurse. And he pulls out of her. L. Ron Hubbard uses almost no descriptions for sex whatsoever. So his penis is big, and he has a lot of sex, a lot of sex, 
but it's never described. He's never grabbing breasts. He's never touching pussies. There's no wet-ass P-words or anything like that in this, right? Okay? Should have just said wet-ass P-words. There's none of that. It's just the sex and the effect. Okay? That's all there is. And so he's had sex, and she's, you know, like, ah! And she leaves the room. And that's what we hear. That she liked it, she leaves the room. A doctor then walks into the room and says, Oh, I can't believe this hospital. Barely getting it up and running. Look, there's even white paint left all over the floor. And he begins to get a mop and bucket to clean up all of the white paint. Because there's so much of it. There are seven more books to go. Also, this is an alien from a species that's militaristic, highly advanced, can take us all over, got the spaceships, that's why he's here, that's why he knows everything, yada yada yada, standard science fiction for the age, really. Uh, he is terrified of Indians in Connecticut. I don't mean Native Americans either. I mean, he is terrified of Indians in Connecticut. He's in New York, and every time he takes his race car out to the country, he's on alert. Because what if the Indians in Connecticut start something? So when I found out that that guy had a religious cult devoted to him, I just thought, what the fuck? Of course one day I'll grow up to be a radio DJ and use my voice to make women give me money through the fucking internet by telling them sexy stories and how great they are. <laughs> of course I'll follow the L. Ron Hubbard trajectory. Fail, 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 God! God! So just, I just want 1% L. Ron Hubbard. We're like, I'm embarrassed if I'll be all like, I'm embarrassed because I said that the title of a book that I was recommending off the top of my head that I hadn't read in a while was called The Crash That Failed, when it was called Crashed. I was like, maybe I should ask Allie to cut that out. Maybe I should ask, like, that feels bad. Maybe I shouldn't ask you to do that. I didn't remember the author. I didn't cite it very well. That's kind of embarrassing. I probably ask Allie to bleed it all out. We can, yeah, there's not enough questions. We could probably just. And, like, L. Ron Hubbard would just be like, no, that's what it was actually called. They changed the title. I don't know what he sounded like. They changed the title. They changed it. The communists. They changed it on me. How dare they? That's what I, like, just 1% of that? Just 1% of Trump. No, 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 no. This is what the map said. Here, let me draw what the map said. Here, I'm going to draw what the map actually said. There you go. That's what it really said. What? How? Where do you get that? How do you just tap into it? Oh. The Mandela effect, I've never remembered wrong. That's a fantastic. That's fantastic. That's the butterfly effect number five subtitle. The butterfly effect five. Mandela effect. I've never been wrong. 
<laughs> now, I actually did suffer the Mandela effect, the original Mandela effect. I did think Mandela died. I don't know why. I did think Mandela died in, like, the 90s or something. So when they're like, no, 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 Mandela's still alive, I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? No. No, he's not. He's like a pope. He just, they, they just go down. What are you talking about? Do you guys know that we're living in an age of super long popes? Super long kings, queens, and popes? I don't like that. Senators, kings, queens, popes. You know, these assholes used to die all the time. All the time. Just all the time. The joke used to be in the Catholic Church, the best way to go and get an audience with his grace, the God, is to be named a pope. Now, that doesn't sound like a very funny joke, but that's fucking hilarious. That's a great joke. Think about what that joke means. That joke means if you're named Pope, you're fucking dying, son. That's a good joke. Like, I'm not really down with the wordiness of it, but I'm like, that's a fucking funny joke. Catholics can... Catholics with death humor. You know, sometimes they get that shit right. That's fucking funny. (laughs) So, like, we're living in this age of all these old people who are just so dumb. And they just never die. Like, it's a, I think it's great that, like, we have a pope that's all, like, gay. If your children are gay, God loves them. So you should, too. I think that's great. That really is. It's very nice that the pope says that. I'm all, I'm all down with it. I, I, I believe it 100%. But also, <laughs> that's kind of far behind the wagon and the curve of humanity. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not exactly a super brave stance in 2020. So, like, if the Pope were younger, if people were, if or he knew he was going to die sooner, maybe the Pope would come out and do some bigger swings. You know? Like, everyone congratulated John Paul II for, like, taking swings against communism and shit. It's like, what? What an easy fucking scapegoat! Oh, wrestling communism. Good job, JP2. Jesus Christ, what's next? You gonna say cheese is great? Ooh, cheese is delicious. Oh, the Pope has said it. (laughs) If you think you're gonna die, if you think you get poped, you think you get that fucking hat on and you got 500 days left, you're gonna pope your ass off. You know what I'm saying? You're really gonna try and use that office. If you're the reformer candidate and you get in something, if you're fucking... Did you, like, all of our presidents died? Within the first year or two? (laughs) Like, we talk about the ones who got assassinated. Tons of our fucking presidents died before Lincoln. Before, we didn't have, uh, we didn't have septic systems at the White House before Lincoln. Before Lincoln. Before Lincoln. And so a bunch of our presidents just fucking died. (laughs) Just fucking killed over from likely water poisoning or septic poisoning of some sort. Right? They just, (sighs) we lost all these fucking presidents fairly early on. And so these presidents, you read about him, and they're like, yeah, his first year, he tried to make a new bank that would be the center of all banks in the world, and he was going to build three canals, right? Like, this was his first year. Like, of course. You know why? Because he was going to fucking die, and he knew it. They know it. They used to. They knew they were going to fucking die. So if you actually wanted to change shit, you have to do it now. I think Obama might have actually gotten us all some fucking health care if he didn't think he was going to live for another 50 years. If his legacy wasn't, like, literally, by which I, by which I, legacy, I mean, uh, the majority of my life, that I'll be spending, uh, as a million to billionaire. Uh, <laughs> that's my Obama. It's not very good, but neither is he as a person. So, what do you want from me? 
That's right, I said it. Ooh, that'll stop the crowd. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm mad at him, too. I'm mad at them all. You think I like Trump? Don't even like any of these fucking assholes. Oh, I know. I probably should have brought any politics into it right now. I just, I can't get, I can't get over this. I yelled, I yelled about this recently. I'm going to yell again. When somebody says John Stewart's a good person because he fights for 9-11 health responders, I lose my mind. I lose my mind. I lose my mind. I'm not saying he's being a bad person. He's not. I think he's being a good person. But unfortunately, I think that's about as good of a person as he gets is, hey, these guys helped me. Can we get them health care? That's about as good as Jon Stewart on his best fucking day gets. And it drives me nuts because Jon Stewart is saying to a six-year-old child, hey, 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 fuck your lymphoma. All right? Dig out a building. Hey, dig out a building, you fucking asshole. Who gives a shit? All right, I know that's horrible, but that's all I hear. When somebody says, hey, this guy, because he dug through a building, he gets health care? Well, great, John, who else gets it? Who else are you going to knight that fucking honor upon, you piece of goddamn shit? Who else gets it? Can we? Can you divide the lines up? Can you tell me who's worthy of that gift that you're willing to grant them? All the, all the other people, all you other, all you other fucking liberals out there too, who are go, who are now going to be gung ho for Joe Biden. Because what other choice do you have? If you're not for universal health care, would you just do me the kind favor instead of asking me to shut up about it? Because I'll never am. Because I'm never going to stop. Because I've lived in countries that have universal health care, and it is totally different and is good in every single way. Could you just? Would you just, instead of telling me to get off this, this we kill one to two hundred Americans a day every single day, even when COVID's not happening, for a couple of people to make a little bit more money, can you just send me the list, just the list, of the people who deserve to not die? Just the list. Because you're so happy about when somebody deserves not to die. These, this, this, hey man, of course these people deserve health care. Great. Now, if you could just keep going with who these people are, just give me the fucking list. I know who's on the list of people you don't like. They're made of straw. I know who's on there. Oh, these homeless people are going to, these homeless people are just going to abuse. You know, there's this story about uh, homeless people in the Netherlands who uh, will uh, just call an ambulance for a taxi because they don't have to pay for an ambulance. Instead, they'll, they'll call for the ambulance and then they'll just get out and uh, you know, it'll be close enough, uh, the healthcare to, uh, wherever they want to go out, uh, clubbing or baby murdering, you know, what they do over there. Uh, you know, I don't want to pay for that. I don't want to pay for that. I know, I know your arguments against, against healthcare, who you're afraid is going to get healthcare. I mean, I know you will never actually say it's the other, whoever the other may be to you. That's who you're afraid is actually going to get it. I know you're not actually going to fucking say that shit out loud, but, like, just tell me. Because we're at this moment again in this country where I'm being told that if I don't support the left again, that we're going to go into a totalitarian hellhole and that the republic will be doomed and be destroyed and never come back again. Because I did hear this argument in 2016 and 2012. And 2008 and 2004 
And uh, well, I didn't hear it in two thousand. I gotta admit, not in two thousand. They didn't say it. Uh, and I know it's really rough because you're all, you know, if you're listening to this, you're almost certainly a woman uh, demographically. And right now, you might be wondering, like, oh, sure, you can say that. You've got testicles. Your gonads are exterior to your body, asshole. You can talk a big game about the future now, can't you? And boy, howdy, do I do I hear you? Like, it's not my reproductive rights that are on hell. I might hell. We might be going to Galad uh, finally, and I might be able to have five wives. <laughs> so it's not my sexual rights that are fucking. You know. That are that are not <laughs> that are up, up for debate. I get that. I do, and I understand that you and your family and your life. I probably this is a very dark time, and I'm trying to kind of make a, a jokey, snarky bit about it before I get into the reading. But I also feel like I need to do that because if there's always a gun to your head, what do you want me to say? Do do you? Every time someone puts a gun to the head of women collectively, we give in. That's 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 what I'm supposed that's what we're supposed to feel for the rest of your political life as American women. It is always just support the least bad option. Take 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 the one that's going to hem you in the least. I don't I, I, I can't get excited for that, and I know a lot of you can't either. And I need to poke fucking holes at it. If your basic humanity and reproductive rights are up for, uh, not debate, not even debate. If, if the legal, I, if the legal right to access to reproduction is up for legislation every four years, then every four years, there's going to be a side against it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Then every four years, there's always just going to be a really bad option, and then a not-so-bad option. Uh, I, I once really got into it with a dude. This is, I think, 2014, I want to say. I don't think it was a presidential election year. And I really got into this with this dude because this is a this is the kind of guy that you would like as an ally. I'm going to be real honest with you. This is the kind of guy that you would be real disappointed to find out wasn't as good of an ally as you thought. Most of you listening. This is a good-looking guy. This is a politically active guy. This was a left-leaning guy. And in 2014, he was so fucking done with defending reproductive rights. And he would only refer to them as, and I quote, a wedge issue. And he was so tired of spending political capital of the left on a wedge issue. And we got into it, me and him. But he really thought that it was. In the time and space that he was, he thought us spending time trying to defend abortion clinics in Louisiana was futile, they were on the way out, and it we needed to spend political capital where it was best. I'm going to let that just resonate for one little second because sometimes dead air is very powerful. So just think about this guy. And then know that he's a state representative. 
Ah. Okay. There you go. Or he was a state rep at the time. So, the lesser evil isn't great. <laughs> the lesser evil can run out of steam. It can have all the right parts and still have somebody in the wrong command. But, like, uh, that dude has a political future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've talked about this previously. I've talked about having to tell male officials that women did not use birth control every time they had sex. I've told that previously on the podcast. This is to male elected officials trying to stop tampons and uh, birth control from going on for state employees because they didn't want to pay for women to pop a pill every time she was going to get a fuck on. For real, they thought that. For real. For real. <laughs> For real. I still can't think that. I still just, and like they were so derogatory about it. And from the bottom of my heart, all I could think is, if a woman had to pop a birth control pill every time she had sex, you could just find the sluts. Don't you understand? Do you understand that you could just find the sluts and you could just have an amazing time because they were obviously taking care of themselves and being careful? <laughs> but you could just like, you exactly. Every time a woman be like, hold your pill, hold my purse, it'd be like, absolutely. Just let me take a little gander at your pill level. How many pills you take? Because if you see the same pill stash and the same, like the same amount of pills for a long time, you're like, she doesn't put out. She does not put out. Mm -mm. But you see a woman just constantly, you just hear that rattle, rattle, rattle. Oh, you're a woman walking out of the pharmacy and she sounds like she's about that bulk value. You're like, uh, 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 That's why we get so horny when you hear that in songs. That's right, I'm using slut as an affirmative, and I only used it twice at the beginning and end of that. I don't know if I can. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, because I had no power or uh, internet, so I was using uh, podcasts, because, you know, that's going to be the least amount of data. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, apparently, slut and bitch are just back. <laughs> apparently, they've just returned, and you can just say them all you want. I'm not going to try and do it too much, but apparently those words are just back. Like, they were kind of on the kibosh for a little bit, but it's all right to just be like, you slut. If someone's had sex and it's positive, it's okay to be like, you slut. It's back. It's back. I thought it disappeared with Heathers, but it's returned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The sipping dumb bitch thing. Allie just brought that up. I gotta say. I don't know exactly how you want a man in his 30s to fucking respond to that shit. If you are, like, especially, like, if you're just DMing him and you're all like, Hi, Daddy, I'm sipping dumb bitch juice. Because the answer is, you're not going to get one out of confusion and fear. <laughs> I've discovered. <laughs> I don't... I don't know what you want me to say. I had this friend... She was a woman. She looked 10 years younger than she was to the point that everybody would be like, oh, but you look 10 years younger. 
And she said to me, I never hate hearing anything more than that, because I know it's a compliment, but what the fuck do you say to respond? (laughs) And I think about that a lot, a lot these days, because I know how flattering it is to have women of all sorts say something nice or DM me some suggestions or what have you or jump in and be like that. But I don't know your meme culture. My dudes. <laughs> so <laughs> be careful, all right? Like with that when you when you're stepping in because you're not a dumb bitch. Baby, no. Baby. Baby, you're only a dumb bitch if I tell you you're a dumb bitch. And that's the only time you are. <laughs> see, it started nice, but then it got yeah, see? I could be such a good abuser. I could be such a good abuser. I could be such a good abuser. <laughs> Come on. Anybody want to try? It's like The Sims. Hey, I only played Sims 1. Do you still level up like 1 through 10 in your careers and shit? Do you still like, I'm a level 1 data entry, and then there's like level 2 programmer, level and then like level 10 CEO? Is that still the way it goes? In The Sims? I know some of you are fucking playing The Sims right now. Somebody's playing The Sims listening to this right now. I know you are. Damn, Linda! I hate when somebody says some shit like that. Wow. It's just going to make a joke about abuse in The Sims. Like a level one abuser is like, baby, you're not a dumb bitch. You're just a dumb bitch when you forget what I want. You know, that's like a level one abuser. And then like level 10 is like, you know, the Elon Musk. Stock's too high. Actually, it's named Kyle. (laughs) Do you know how, do you know how those two fucking met? Just real quick before we go into reading. Do you know how Grimes and Elon Musk met? I hate reading. Do you know how I found this out? Reading business news. That's not a joke. I know everything I know about Elon Musk and Grimes from the fucking financial pages. I didn't know who Grimes was before she started dating Elon Musk. That's true. I felt very resentful I had to find out about Grimes. And who's that gal that Grimes is friend with who's tweeting everything that's that's always uh, on the outs in the entertainment industry with everybody? She's black. She's very, very vocal. She's kind of a jerk. I found out about her, too, through Elon Musk and this shit. Uh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't describe her that way. Nobody knows who I'm talking about? Damn. Because uh, she was at his house and she was tweeting once about them fighting. Oh, fuck me. That was such a straight. And I'm reading about this in, like, the Financial Times. Or Business Insider or some shit. So, anyways. I find out about Grimes and Elon Musk in a business article. And the way that they met pissed me off so much. Candace Owens? No, not Candace Owens. She's like a she's like a singer. She's like a she's a, she's an artist, which is why she's friends with Grimes. Anyway, uh, all right. Stop shouting names of <laughs> of women that I did not describe very well to give me things. So I can... Azalea Banks. Thank you, Chastity. Now we can move on. Banks. I didn't know about Banks or Grimes before twenty before they started dating Musk. Before Grimes started dating Musk. How did Musk and Grimes start dating? 
Stop getting me off this fucking trust. Elon Musk bored one night and shitposting on Twitter and the internet, as he does. So this part of the story, we very much believe. There's no question so far. He's going through, and he's looking, and he is obsessed with something called Coco's Basilisk. What is Coco's Basilisk? Doesn't fucking matter. Coco's Basilisk doesn't fucking matter. It's just a thought experiment. Don't get into it too much. Elon Musk is an idiot. The Coco Basilisk. And Elon Musk just kind of does a joke. There's there's a kind of French, very, very upper class, very hoity-toity, very kind of, of style called Rococo. Rococo. And so Elon Musk, probably intoxicated in some way, but definitely shitting, uh, but definitely shitposting on the internet, types in Rococo's Basilisk. Into the internet. Rococo Basilisk. Coco, Rococo, Coco's Basilisk, Rococo's Basilisk. Comes up with Grimes lyrics and immediately shoots her a DM going, You're so smart. And that's how they fucking met. I swear to fucking Christ. I swear to fucking Christ. He looked at her lyrics and slid into her DMs and she was so flattered. That's it. That's all it took. Isn't that incre- isn't that fucking insanity? Don't you hear isn't that the opposite of a meat cute? It's a meat yikes. It's a meat nope. It's a meat ick. <laughs> it's the opposite of a meat cute. Can you imagine? like here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you write lyrics or you write something and I admire your mind, that's hot as fuck. I agree. That's, like, of all the way, if you, like, were obsessed with the great-eyed or something and, like, you wrote something and I wrote you out of context and I was just all like, wow, what you wrote's amazing. That's hot. I get that. That's hot. That's hot. But if I actually, (laughs) if I actually, like, DM you after I've read what you've made and I'm like, you're as smart as I am. Run! Run! Get the fuck out! (laughs) I acknowledge your intellect in this one case. That is some Ferengi shit. You never want to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, I... Dunk on him all day, all the time, too. And he's older than her, and he's got more power, so it's easy to make fun of him. Here's the thing, ladies. If you're telling me the story of how you met the man in your life as he DM'd you how fucking smart you are, ooh, that's a judgment on you, too. I get to tilt my head at you as well and be all like, okay, what's happening here? I... I literally know two women who have two postdoctorate degrees who introduce themselves at every single convention and talk that they're invited and paid to attend with. Oh, I'm not even sure I should be here. What the fuck is happening with you, crimes? What the fuck? <laughs> By the way, ladies, don't do that last part. It drives me nuts. I've actually got I've actually gotten in a lot of goddamn trouble for that one. <laughs> Oh, no, not all guys. Yeah, that's a bad one. That's a big, that's a big automatic DQ. 
If I were a woman, that's a DQ. Moment a dude says not all guys, it's just disqualified. You could just see it flash over my head if I were a woman. <laughs> it's not true. There's an old Chris Rock joke about how women hope that an attractive man doesn't say something too stupid in the first five minutes so that they'll fuck him. And I gotta say, even though it's not true, it's a pretty good way to live life. I gotta say, just, you know... Walk in, make an effort, don't say anything too stupid for too long. (laughs) Who wants to hear some poetry? Alright. There's many women I have met and loved throughout my years. Some provided joy I get, but most provided tears. There were those in fancy clothes who'd show me their affections, less fancy dressed than arose, and showed me the directions. But all would leave, I'm not sure why, for other loves or interests. So with the last tears that I'd dry, I'd vow to end these contests. No longer would I give my heart to have it sliced in two. Too many dreams were torn apart by women that I knew. Wow, speaking of not all women. Uh-oh, that was like a perfect segue. I became an island to myself with interests born anew. My hopes of love placed on a shelf with mold and mildews grew. However, the best laid plans of mice and men don't often go astray. I saw this truth one evening when she came in sight one day. She looked at me with lonely eyes. I'm sure mine looked the same. Uh Uh-oh. It took some time to realize attraction was to blame. This is a Huey Lewis song. This is a Huey Lewis song turned into a poem, isn't it? This is off sports. I've heard this before. This is off sports, isn't it? I can hear the sax. All right, that's a joke for two of you. Oh, somebody said horn with five. Thank you, five. You got the Huey Lewis reference. Thank you. Oh, that made me happy. The vow I'd made to hide my heart began to fade from view. My new love seemed to far apart from the others' ones I knew. Today, my love is with me still. So many years we've shared. Wow, that really jumped up. My love and trust has been fulfilled and formed a love that's not compared. For those out there, please don't despair, don't squander your affections, don't hide your need for love to share, don't dwell on your rejections. Love is here, I'm proof of that, no matter what your setback. There's someone there who's where you're at? Oh, you'll show the joy you'll get back. At night when both lie in bed, she shows what my love's meant? I stroke the hair upon her head, she's whispered sweet contentment. What makes a moth fly to a light? Is it the need for what they see? Or does it seem their useless flight is just curiosity? I guess it's both that brought us close, our lives of different walks, but now, to please my love the most, I'll clean her litter box. Aww! Aww! I was making fun, but then it got so cute at the end. Aww! See, I had this whole thing I was going to do. I was going to dunk on Prince. I was going to say this guy's obviously not as attractive as Prince, but then that was very cute with the kitty. 
Aww. So here's how I know that Prince is hotter than this guy. Ready? Here's how I know that Prince is hotter than the author of that poem. I know it's confusing. It's because Prince doesn't spend a lot of time convincing women in the songs that they should be attracted to Prince or that attraction is happening. Just a lot of just a lot of Prince songs are just "Hello, I saw you," and now we're dating. Just think, there's like Raspberry Beret. He's literally just working. She walks in. He's in love, and now they're seeing one another. That's all it took. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of Prince convincing you that this woman wants to be with him, or that maybe it's a struggle to get with her. In Prince's world, for pretty much all of his albums, hey, attractive woman, and now we're having sex. Well. You know, that's that's the way that you're supposed to write it. When a guy, you know, keeps telling you how... <laughs> See, women think he had a stable. I think Prince was damn near impotent towards the end of his life. Not just from all the drugs either, but also because he was so high on his own supply. This is a true story. This is right before he fucking died. This is like a year or two before he died. This is a true story. Look at the fuck up. There is a nightclub in Minneapolis, I know. It's shocking, but trust me, there's even more coming. And in this nightclub in Minneapolis, Prince went in at like 1.30 in the morning, kicked every man in the nightclub out, turned off the music. Now, I know you have an opinion about where this is going to go, but this is where it ended. And then read from the Bible for an hour. Yeah. Yeah, that's a true Prince story. And I'm going to ask you something. How high do you have to be as a black man in Trump's America when you're five foot four? How high do you have to be to have those kinds of fucking balls? How did Prince jump off the stage with balls that big? I ask you. How? Give me 1% of the Prince, 1% of the Prince, just 1% of the Elrond, the Prince, the Don, that's all I want. Just 1% that I could walk into a room full of women and be all like, Axe part two, bitches. (laughs) Just start reading. Just, just kick every man in the club out, shut down the music. Fucking Megan Tambor mix being played right now, you know. I don't need my drink. You don't got my drink. I got something with a drink. I I don't know what Megan Tambor. I kind of I, I don't mean to diss on her. I actually think she's talented. I just kind of feel like she's always telling guys that they can't have her, which is like, come on, Megan. Sometimes we have to be allowed to have you if you're always singing to us. Nah, uh, you can't have me. I'm Megan Tambor. Uh, uh. She's like the opposite of Charo. Come on, Megan Tambor. Give us a little. Nuh-uh. I'm only here to have fun with my friends. Damn you, Megan Tambor. <clears throat> That's probably not even her name. I know it's Megan something. Does anybody even know what I'm talking about? She was like the most popular fucking artist for like a while there. Trainer! I don't know it's Tambor. Yeah, Megan Trainer. Thank you. Sorry for saying Tambor over and over again. I've only also heard only like three of her songs, but they were also the three that got big. All right, all right, all right. Shut up and move on with the poetry, nice voice. Stop trying to say things with your pretty mouth and just use the words that other people do. You got the nice lips, not the good brain. Shut up, dumb boot. 
Oh, God, I wish I could be a himbo. I really do. That'd be such a nice existence, just like a Lebowski-style himbo. And here we go. I stop to wonder if I'm a hypocrite. Sometimes feminism is wonderfully obvious. Stop shaving my muff. Boycott, Rush Limbaugh. Hold my tongue, though I am thinking that woman is a total bitch. Or at least call her an asshole instead. Bye, woman maid. Stop watching so much porn. But feminism doesn't tell me what to do about this bar full of hipsters. I'm a straight woman. And I lost hard after guys in glasses and skinny jeans. Did I just objectify an entire room full of men? And if so, does it bring us closer to equality? How do I talk to a man while channeling Gloria Steinem? A cleavage-bearing shirt is quite literally the low-hanging fruit. How do I pick up like a feminist? Is that glass ceiling? Is that a glass ceiling in your pants? Because I could see myself pounding against it for the next 35 years of my career. Did it hurt when you fell from heaven? Because Christianity is just one of the major religions to oppress women and promises of otherworldly rewards. <laughs> Was your father a mechanic? Then where did you get such a finely tuned sense of appropriate boundaries? If looks could kill, you'd be lucky that House Republicans blocked the Violence Against Women Act. <gasps> and on to the small talk. Let's talk about the Chicago Blackhawks, the failure of charter schools, unionization efforts at Target, obscure craft beers, and how this place used to be so much cooler before all the kids from Lincoln Park started coming here. Oh, avoid the body. His body. What I'd like to do to his body in anything that has ever been written in Cosmo. Now, we need drinks. We only make 77 cents for every dollar earned by a man. Can I buy you three quarters of a drink? How about a Long Island iced tea? Back up. It's supposed to be okay to talk about sex. Feminists are sex positive. Like I showed up in bed with pom-poms and motivational cat posters. Two, four, six, eight. Oral sex is really great. All of the orgasm. None of the shame. Too bad pop culture never got the memo. Victoria's Secret is still selling things they say are a sure thing, and Steubenville is still blaming the victim. How do I say woman without saying weakness? How do I say sex without saying object? How do I say I want your attention without saying I am here for the taking? That's a nice shirt. It would look good on my floor. After we've had an explicit conversation about our likes and dislikes, confirm that we are sexually compatible. <laughs> are your feet tired? You've been running through an enthusiastic consent fantasies all day long. If I said you had a nice body, would you hold it at exactly the distance you felt comfortable from me? Are you pro-choice? Let's go do the kinds of things that lead to an abortion. Okay, now for the clothes. Does he want to leave with me? Do I want to leave with him? His place? Mine. Exactly how many drinks has each of us had divided by our weight and rates of metabolism? Is it a gender neutral for either of us to be carrying a condom? Can a bar hookup just be a bar hookup, not a symbol of oppression? Nobody can be perfect in an imperfect world. Flirtation is not the opposite of respect, and sometimes we all just want to do bad things. Hey, you want to go make some mistakes and then forgive ourselves in the morning?
Upon lecturing a male friend about the danger of gender roles while simultaneously texting another man about my boobs by Amy David. <laughs> so here's the thing. I'm actually terrified, like, if I have sex with somebody, like, especially a fan. I know I can't have sex with fans. Fuck it. I might anyway. Uh, I, I know that... You want to come in, Kitty? Kitty's trying to break down the door. You don't usually come in when I'm doing the phones. Do you want to come in? Well, we had to close the door after. You gonna be okay with it? You gonna be cool? You're not gonna be cool, are you? You're gonna be a jerk face cat. All right. <clears throat> She's already got that look on her face like, mm-mm, no, I am not, sir. She does not respond to pfft. That's not for her. Kitty responds to it. And that's what Kitty responds to. I do respond to that. Get up, sir. Be fun, be comfy. What are you doing? You can't keep interrupting the show. You gotta fucking pick a gotta pick a lane. I gotta go with this. Where was I? I finished that poem. It was really good. I said Amy Smart, whatever her name was. Oh, fucking fans. Yeah, you probably definitely want to hear about that before they can interrupted. Uh, I'm like terrified. Uh, you guys got to tell me. You hear a story where a woman has sex with me and she has a really good time, but there was weed or booze involved. Do you think less of me? Because she, she, see, you guys are laughing and shit. I'm actually very, very, very anxious about this. She puts it in her poem, right? Because, like, the number of women who have said, like, oh, I don't smoke weed, I've never smoked weed, but God, I would love to smoke weed and have sex with you, is not insignificant. And every time a woman says that to me, I'm like, is this, like, is this how I end up in TMZ? Like, if somebody hears that, do they, if I, if you hear a story about a woman coming to have sex with me, knowing, you know, everything about me that you know, and she's all like, what I wanted to do is have sex with him, and uh, wanted to have weed, and he got me high and had sex with me, you don't think I'm taking advantage of her? Okay. The answer's pretty fucking direct. Wow. Obviously, I'm not gonna just try and give a woman weed. Because it's expensive. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the... I mean, honestly, every time they're all like, you know, I've got medical gummies that would be perfect for a kid. You literally can't taste them or anything. You would think it was just a gummy bear. They're perfect for that. Like, you literally cannot taste any THC whatsoever. Whatsoever. I know a lot of stoners will say something like that, but I mean it. You literally cannot taste it. It's just perfect sugar and all that. And every Halloween, not this one, since there's probably not going to be one, but every Halloween, they're like, oh, my God, you're going to pass out those edibles to the children. Uh, tonight at 11 o'clock, are stoners passing out edible-infused marijuana candies to your children? Tune in and find out. And the answer is no! Absolutely not. For one, a child cannot appreciate the fucking blend of sativa and indica that I have fused together in any way, shape, or form. They are just not emotionally prepared for it. But for two, 
You think I'm spending five to ten dollars on a fucking kid? You think I'm spending five to ten dollars on a child? Do you know how much money that is? If I'm spending five to ten dollars as a child, one, we are blood relation, two, we are going to a gas station, and not a good one. We are going to a gas station that is known as a bodega, I'm just gonna put that out there, three, we are going to find the dime and fucking nickel candy aisle. If I'm spending five dollars on a fucking kid, that kid is gonna look at me as though I am the center of a Shelley poem. Do you hear me? The kid's gonna sing... (laughs) Sing songs about me. Hyper, candy-filled songs. I told you you wanted to get out. I don't know why you wanted to come in. You can hear me talking. Alright, now that I know that she's actually fucking gone. I want that kid singing Prince Ali about me, but substituting Jack in. Da 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 lots of our candy la 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 <laughs> Did they sing that one in the remake? They better. It's the best fucking song in that fucking movie. It's Prince Ali He had the strength of ten regular men That's a lot of strength. <clears throat> Say I said to cut flowers. They bowed their heads lower. Stay, I said to the spiders who fled. Stay, leaf, it reddened, it reddened, embarrassed for me and itself. Stay, I said to my body, it sat as a dog does, obedient for a moment, soon starting to tremble. Stay to the earth, to the riverine valley meadows, to the fossiled escarpments, to the limestone and the sandstone. It looked back, with changing expression in the silence. Stay, I said to my loves. Each answered. Always. The Promise, Jane Hirschfield. On an island of music in a city of drumbeats, the drum dream girl dreamed of pounding tall conga drums and tapping small bongo drums and boom, boom, booming with the long, loud sticks on the big, round, silvery moon of bright timbitals. But everyone on the island of music in the city of drumbeats believed that only boys should play drums, so the drum dream, so the drum dream girl had to keep dreaming quiet secret drumbeat dreams. And out to her cafe that looked like gardens, she heard drums played by men, but when she closed her eyes, she could also hear her own imaginary music. When she walked under wind-wavy palm trees in a flower-bright park, she heard the whir of parrot wings and the clack of woodpecker beaks, and the dancing tap of her own footsteps at the comforting pat of her own heart beats. At carnivals, she listened to the rattling beat of towers, dancers on stilts, and of the dragon clang of the costume drummers wearing huge masks. At home, her fingertips rolled out their own dream drum rhythm on tables and chairs, and even though everyone kept reminding her that girls on the island of music had never played drums, the brave drum drum dream girl dared to play the tall conga drums, the small bongo drums, the big round silvery moon bright timbatals. 
Her hands seemed to fly as they rippled, rapped, and pounded all the rhythms of her drum dreams. Her big sisters were so excited that they invited her to join their new all-girl dance band, but their father said only boys should play drums. So the drum dream girl had to keep dreaming of drumming alone. Until finally, her father offered to find a music teacher who could decide if the drums deserved to be heard. The drum dream girl's teacher was amazed. The girl knew so much, but had taught her more and more and more. And she practiced. And she practiced. And she practiced. Until the teacher agreed that she was ready to play her small bongo drums outdoors at the starlit cafe that looked like a garden, where everybody who heard her dream-bright music sang and danced, and decided that girls should always be allowed to play drums. And both girls and boys should feel free to dream. Drum Dream Girl Marguerite Ingle E-N-G-L Naked, she lay, clasped in my longing arms, I filled with love, and she all over charms, both equally inspired with eager fire, melting through kindness, flaming in desire. With arms, legs, lips, clothes, clinging to embrace, she clips me to her breast and sucks me to her face. Her nimble tongue, love's lesser lightning, played within my mouth and to my thoughts conveyed. Swift orders that I should prepare to throw the all-dissolving thunderbolt below. My fluttering soul sprung with the pointed kiss hangs hovering over her balmy brinks of bliss. But whilst her busy hand would guide that part which should convey my soul up to her heart, if liquid raptures I dissolve all over, melt into sperm and sin at every pore, I touch from any part of her hand had done her hand, her foot, her very looks, a cunt. Smiling, she chides in a kind of murmuring noise, all from her body wipes of clammy joys, when with a thousand kisses wandering over my panting bosom, is there no more? She cries, all this to love and raptures do, must we not pay a debt to pleasure too? But I, the most forlorn, lost man alive, to show my wished obedience, Vainly strive. I sigh, alas, and kiss, but cannot swive. Uh, swive. Eager desires confound my first intent. Succeeding shame does more success prevent. And rage at last confirms me impotent. Even her fair hand, which might bid heat return, the frozen age, and make cold hermits burn, applied to my dear cinder, warms no more, then fire to ashes could pass flames restore. Trembling, confused, despairing, limbers dry, a wishing weak, unmoved limp I lie, this dart of love, whose piercing point oft tried, with virgin blood ten thousand maids have died. Which nature still directed with such art, that it should every cunt reached every heart. Stiffly resolved, twould caressly invade, woman or man, nor aught its fury stayed. Wherever it's pierced, a cunt it found or made, now languid lies in this unhappy hour, shrunk up and sapless like a withered flower. Thou treacherous base deserter of my flame, false to my passion, fatal 
to my fame. Though what mistake magic dost thou prove, oh my, uh, so to lewdness, so untrue to love, what oyster cinder beggar common whore didst thou ever fail on all thy life before, when vice, disease, and scandal lead the way, with what officious haste dost thou obey, like a rude roaring Hector in the streets, who shuffles, cuffs, and jostles all he meets. But if his kings or country claim his aid, then the rank-hill villain shrinks and hides his head. Even so brutal valor is displayed, breaks every strew, does every small whore invade. But when great love the onset does command, base recrant to thy prince, thou darest not stand, worst part of me and henceforth hated most, though all of the town a common fucking post. On whom each whore relieves her tingling cunt, and... Uh, all right, I'm done. Sorry. Uh, that's okay. We don't need to say who wrote that. <laughs> Sorry. If you're the one who suggested that, that's okay. Uh... That was really derogatory towards women, towards sex, towards all of it. I don't... That's not just really my speed. That's all I need to say. And, uh, moving on. <clears throat> how much delight before we collapse? How much earth in the lungs and how much wine? When we want more, when the weeds sprawl, it is not what you think. Think how fast some landscapes change, the lover, the gardener's grand idea, the fallen, Mabel. To boat about to capsize, the correction, the hand's reflection, the impossible replication of weight versus time, how it will never mean what you want. The Impossible Replication of Desire, Lee Herrick, H-E-R-R-I-C-K. On the birthday party of the world, I began to contemplate what I had done and left undone. But this year, not so much rebuilding of my permanently damaged psyche, shoring up eroding friendships, digging out stumps of old resentments that refused to rot on their own. No, this year I want to call myself to task for what I've done and not done for peace. How much have I dared in opposition? How much have I put on the line for freedom? For mine and others, as these freedoms are paired, sliced, and diced, where I have spoken out, who have I tried to move in this holy season? I stand self-convicted of sloth at a time lies choke in the mind of rhetoric, bends reason to the slithering, choking pythons. Here, I stand before the gates opening, the fire dazzling. My eyes and I approach what judge me. I judge myself. Give me weapons of minute destruction. Let my words turn into sparks. Marge Piercy, The Birthday of the World Okay, if you have some quick quotes, now is the time. We've got one last little poem here. So get them in, get them in real, real quick. Sorry, I meant to have two for you. Uh, this is the last poem, so if you want to get a quick quote and you hear a line, this is where you put it in. Just put it in quotation marks like you are being shown now. Okay. <clears throat> the room was suddenly rich, and the great bay window was spawning snow and pink roses against it soundlessly, collateral, and incompatible. World is suddenly 
is suddener than we fancy it. World is crazier and more of it than we think. Incorrigibly plural, I peel and portion, a tangerine and split the pips and feel the drunkenness of things being various. And the fire flames with a bubbling sound for the world in the more spiteful and gay than one supposes, on the tongue of the eyes, on the ears and the palms of one's hands. There is more than glass between the snow and the huge roses. Boy, that one's interesting. Snow by, I'm going to go with Louis Macnice. Macnice. M-A-C-N-E-I-C-E. Louis Macnice. Could be Louis Macnice. Okay. All right. Thank you guys very, very much. That's poems. Appreciate everybody who put one into the register. <clears throat> good girl. That's what we always start off with. It's good to see you, sweetie. Deep breath, baby girl. Nice and slow. You did so well, baby girl. I'm so proud of you, baby girl. Baby girl, daddy's lap is waiting for you. Come on over here and have a seat. You're doing well. Take a deep breath. Happy birthday, Raven. You can do this. Just keep going. Daddy thanks you for remembering that small acts of kindness goes a long way. Come get your reward for all your hard work, little one. Mm. Mm. That's some good pops. Got some good stretching done today. I was in bed and I planted both my feet against the, you know, the mattress. I put my arms out all the way, pushed down as hard as I could, and I got this nice little pop in my knee. It felt so good. Wasn't expecting it at all. It just <laughs> happened. Oh, it's so good when you get a little pop like that, and like, I immediately get Tourette's for like two to four seconds. I'll just sit there and just, uh, and poof, and be like, ah, oh, motherfucker, got that son of a bitch. Ah, oh, yeah, 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 That's the good stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, I half want to get high with a woman just so she'll massage the shit out of me. Honestly. Because if I lick your pussy, you will massage me. Them's just the rules. I don't have to ask or nothing. If I lick your pussy well enough, all that you won't stop touching me. It's a very funny thing. It's like you think you can get another one to happen if you just don't stop. It's like maybe if I press on his body in enough places, the tongue will just pop right back out. I think I, I'll figure this out. And you just kind of explore pieces by piece. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's not a bad deal, is it? Especially since the pussy licking comes first. <laughs> I'll gladly massage you tomorrow for a pussy licking today. 
I guess that was quick quotes. I talked about pussy looking, so that's done. I kind of, I kind of did that one in. My bad. Okay, <clears throat> got a couple of letters. I think one of them is a little weird. Uh, I think I'll save that one for last. Here we go. Now, now, two. Huh? Okay. Now, now, two, little one. You bring me honeysuckle. Okay, this is all one sentence. We're really diving right in. One more time. Now, now, too, little one, you bring me honeysuckle, and even your breasts smell of it. <laughs> While the sad wind goes slaughtering butterflies, I love you, and my happiness bites the plum of your mouth. How you must have suffered... Getting accustomed to me, my savage solitary soul, my name that sends them all running. So many times we have seen the morning star burn, kissing our eyes and over our heads, the gray light unwind and turning fans. My words rained over you, stroking you, a long time that I have loved, the sun, the mother of pearl, of your body. I go so far as to think that you own the universe. I will bring you happy flowers from the mountains, bluebells, dark hazels, and rustic baskets of kisses. I want to do with you what spring does with the cherry trees. Probably should have known. Every Day You Play by Pablo Neruda. Boy, that was a... That's a... Like Prince, Pablo does not fuck around. Hello, pretty girl. This is what I think your pussy tastes like. Just jump in. He knows he's hot. <laughs> well, this is interesting. Now, this is an interesting... When I said I wanted to open up Love Letter Beyond uh, beyond Standard uh, Love Between Men and Women, I gotta say, this is exactly the kind of thing, just from these two names. Pretty interested to see how this is a love letter. Let's go. <clears throat> Dear Mr. Hawthorne, People think that if a man has undergone any hardship, he should have a reward. But for my past, if I have done the hardest possible day's work, and then come to sit down in the corner and eat my supper comfortably, why, then I don't think I deserve any reward for my hard day's work. For am I not now at peace? Is not my supper good? My peace and my supper are my reward, my dear Hawthorne, so your joy-giving and oxaltation-breeding letter is not my reward for my ditcher's work with that book, but it is good goddess's bonus over and above what was stipulated. For, for not one man in five cycles who is wise will expect appreciative recognition from his fellows, or any one of them. Appreciation! Recognition! Is love appreciated? Why, ever since Adam who has got the meaning of this great allegory, the world, then we pygmies must be content to have our paper allegories, but ill-comprehended. I say your appreciation is my glorious gratuity. In my proud, humble way, a shepherd king, I was lord of a little vale with a solitary Crimea. But you have now given me the crown of India. But on trying it on my head, I found it fell down to my ears, notwithstanding their asinine length, for it's only such ears that sustain such crowns. 
Your letter was handed to me last night on the road going to Mr. Moorwood's, and I read it there. Had I been at home, I would have sat down at once and answered it. In me divine... Ooh. Megamities. I'm afraid I don't know this word. M-A-G-A-N-I-M-I-T-I-E-S. I'm going to go with megamity. Like megam... Like a... To be uh, uh, ah my God! I want to keep saying monogamous. Ah, uh oh. Deep breath. Monogamous. Mono. Mana. Monogamous. Like monogamous and victory. So I'm gonna go with that's what that is. It's the same base word. Monogamous. Meganimities. Meganimities. In me, divine magnanimities, boy, we have to find out this word, are spontaneous and instantaneous. Catch them while you can. The world goes round and the other side comes up. So now I can't write what I felt. But I felt... Wow. This fucker had a fucking vocabulary. Panthetic. Panthetic. Pantheist. Pan... P-A-N-T-H-E-I-S-T-I-C. Theistic, but that's not right. Then your heart beat in my ribs and mine in yours, and both in God's. A sense of unspeakable security in me this moment, on account of you having understood the book. I have written a wicked book and feel spotless as the lamb. Ineffable socialties are in me. I would sit down and dine with you in all of God and all Rome's pantheon. In the strange feeling, no hopefulness is in it, no despair. Content, that is it. And irresponsibility. Without, uh, <laughs> without inclination, I speak now of my profoundest sense of being, not of an incidental feeling. Whence f came you, Hawthorne? By what right do you drink from my flagon of life? And when I put it to my lips, lo, they are yours and not mine. I feel the Godhead is broken up like the bread at the supper, and that we are the pieces. Hence the infinite fraternity of feeling. Now, sympathizing with the paper, my angel turns over another page, and you did not care a penny for the book. But now and then, as you read, you understood the pervading thought that impelled the book and that you praised. Was that not so? You were archangel enough to despite the imperfect body and to embrace your soul once you hugged the ugly Socrates because you saw the flame in your mouth and heard the rushing of the demon, the familiar, the recognized sound, for you have heard it in your own solitudes. My dear Hawthorne, the atmospheric skepticism steal into me now and make me doubtful of my sanity in writing you thus, but believe me, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but truth is ever incoherent, and when the big heart strikes together, the conclusion is a little stunning. Farewell, don't write me a word about the book, that would be robbing me of my miserly delight. I am heartily sorry that I wrote anything about you, it was poultry. Lord, when shall I be done growing? As long as we have anything more to do, we have done nothing. So now, let us add Moby Dick to our blessing, and step from that. Leviathan is not the biggest fish. I have heard it crackens. This is a long letter, but you are not at all bound to answer it. 
Possibly, if you do answer it, and direct it to Herman Melville, then you will be missed it. Uh, for a very fingers now guide this pen are not precisely the same that took it up, but put it on this paper. Lord, when shall we be done changing? Ah, it's a long stage, and no inn in sight. The night's coming, and the body is cold. But with you for a passenger, I am content and can be happy. I shall leave the world, I feel, with more satisfaction for having come known you, knowing your persuades me more than the Bible of our immortality. What a pity that, for your plain bluff letter, you should get such gibberish. Mention to Miss Hawthorne and to the children, and so goodbye to you with my blessing. Herman. P.S. I cannot stop yet. The world was entirely made of magians. I'll tell you what I should do. I should have a paper mill established at one end of the house, so that my endless riband of fool scrap rolling in upon my desk and upon that endless riband, I should write a thousand, a million, a billion thoughts, all under the form of a letter to you. The divine magnet is on you, and my magnet responds, which is the biggest? A foolish question. May I one? H. P.P.S. Please don't think that by writing me a letter you should always be bored with the immediate reply to it, and so keep both of us delivering and writing desk eternally. No such thing! I shan't always answer your letters, and you may just do as you please. <laughs> wow, so Herman Melville was a nerd. There's more personality in that letter than all of Billy Budd. What the fuck? Herman Melville was a nerd. Nathaniel <laughs> Hawthorne's just all like, cool book, bro. And Herman Melville's like, Oh, the angels have told me that God himself is broken into pieces. You are one and I another, and together the stained glass that we... Nathaniel's all like, nerd. I just want to write about how it's unfair that women get punished for fucking when men don't. Jeez. I thought there was a little... Come on, man. Look at this nerd. Just showing it off to his woman. Just showing it off to his woman. Look at this nerd. This is what you could have married. All right. So that wasn't the weird love letter. That was just Herman Melville to Nathaniel Hawthorne. Or Nathaniel... Yeah. Okay. So here we go. Here's the weird one. Ready? We were in Burbank. I was in love. Ultra-marine love. My good goddamned goddess, my goad, my bitch, my, 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 my breathing, my breathing, hair-lined, my cunt of paradise, I love you and your refrigerator. And so we grabbed and wrestled. That sculpted head watched us with his little lyrical, cynical love smile, burning. I want you. I want you. I want you. 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 Love letter from Bukowski to Linda King. <clears throat> Those... Those are my uh, love letters for the night. I hope you enjoyed them. Thank you to everybody who came out.
I'm going to go right into Smut at the end of this. That will close out the show. Really appreciate you all very, 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 very much for doing it. I know that I was... Uh... I know that I was out of contact for a while, but it wasn't by choice. And uh, it wasn't a vacation, and it was really rough. It is hard for me to come back and do this kind of thing. And I know that it probably shouldn't be, and that surprises a lot of you. Uh, but I'm shy. And being an entertainer right now is not the easiest thing. And trying to make people laugh when things are bad. It's not, it's not so great. Uh, I've actually been thinking a lot about a video game I didn't like all that much called Final Fantasy X. In Final Fantasy X, there's a giant monster, kind of a kraken, actually. It goes around, and it's just constantly killing tons of people. It's unstoppable. Can't be beat. And so the people of this world just kind of have to live with this monstrous entity uh, popping up and uh, and taking out uh, entire cities sometimes. Horrible existence. They have this game that they play. Everybody on the planet likes It's called Blitzball. And right after this creature kills and takes out a big city full of people, someone's like, hey, let's go play some Blitzball. And the character that you control says, but it's very sad. What would we play it right now? And John DiMaggio, uh, from, from Futurama, says this is the perfect time to play the game. Because everybody's sad. And that's exactly what I'm doing right now. Uh, I'm trying to be an entertainer. I'm trying to be good to you guys. I'm trying to be funny. But things are real rough. And I know they are for a lot of you out there. I do I do have to, uh, as an entertainer, I have to ask you to hit the pluggables. I have to plug my tip jar. I have to do that sort of thing. That's the vocation that I'm in. But I ask you, as a fan of mine, especially if you got this far through the show, uh, the recording, to be gentle with yourself, try and be patient with others, uh, and just take things in as short a time frame as you are capable of seeing forward without feeling like everything's spiraling out of control. I know that the kind words that I get for, for what I make and what I do, um, that, that makes a huge difference for me. I ordered in food the other day. I'm not ordering food in a long time. I ordered in food the other day. And I got to the special instruction box. And I didn't really know what to put. Because it felt like I needed to put something. Because I, I felt guilty for making these people. I'm not making them work, obviously. And you can't really know if somebody wants to work or, or wishes people would stop ordering from their place. So it would shut down. You don't really know what the people inside that building want. But I do. I feel a little guilt. So when the box popped up, I just wrote, thank you. I know things are hard right now. That's it. Nothing big. And they probably get something like that every day. But what came on my box with my food when I got it was the biggest 
thank you with the biggest smiley face and marker I've ever fucking seen. The whole box just covered in it. Right? You don't know each other. No names were exchanged. They're just somebody working in the kitchen. I don't even know if they want to be there. But, hey, thank you for working there. Today. I know there's a part of you who didn't want to. That's it. Just acknowledge that. And it, it makes... It makes people happy. There's a lot of talk going on. A lot of... I <laughs> was so quick to say, hey, don't call yourself an ally, white people. <laughs> that is that is a rookie dumb move. Don't just run... You don't get to declare yourself an ally. Don't run out there and do it. Right? Uh, and now, after a couple of months of topic on this conversation, there's a lot more black voices on social media saying... Okay, so when we're talking about our experience as black people, it's not so that you understand, it's so that you empathize, because you're not going to understand. And we're now at that phase of the discussion, and that's a very good place for it to be. I know that that's not great, but then I want you to turn around. If you're a white woman and you heard that and you've wrinkled your nose, I understand. But now also, please just take a deep breath and consider... Do you really want a man saying that he understands everything a woman goes through? If 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 this was happening with Me Too again right now, because Me Too is going to have to happen again, whatever it's called, and a man's coming out and saying, and you're saying, and women get the get the spotlight that they want. This is what it's like for women. This is what it's like when our coworkers treat us this way. This is what it's like when our bosses treat us this way. This is what it's like when we go to work on the street. Do you want a man hearing that and going? Go on, queen. I hear you. I get it. Is that helpful? It's better than no, you don't. Agreed. And it's better than, it's better than, aww, princess. But is it good? Or do you just want the man to fucking listen? Do you just, do you, if you had the soapbox and you really could make every man hear you for 30 seconds, would you want applause? Or realization. Because I, I bet for almost every woman it's number two. I bet for almost every woman I've ever met, the applause is tempting. But getting a, ho- a point home would be what they would do, what they would try for. Right? Understanding's great. Saying you understand is great. Having an emotional resonance to what the other person is saying is what they're going for, though. When people take to the... Take, take to a public sphere of any sort, internet or otherwise, to say, I am this, hear me. You don't, you don't have to be particularly woke to understand that. And uh, I, I'm just kind of want to put that out there. It does connect with it all. There is a real sense of people not being seen or heard right now. Real sense. This is permeating a lot of discussions about identity, about hopelessness, about what's going on right now in the world, I think. I really do. And I'm not trying to mansplain. I'm not trying to exhibit caucasity. I think people, as individuals, not feeling seen or heard is a big part about why all these discussions are so forward and so at the tip of everybody's feed all year long. Hear me. Feel me. This is my pain. This is my situation. And it's just not coming across. Not like, not like it should. So I implore everybody out there. I know it's scary. I know it's bad. If you think it's cool that I could show up and I could try and make some jokes and do some reading and dunk on Grimes 
and that's fun for you. It's fun for me too. It's also exhausting. It's also exhausting. There's a reason why stand-up comedians don't do seven fucking hour shows. It's also hard reading the headlines, shaking it off, and coming in here. And so those of you who appreciate it, when you show me and you tell me, you mean the world. Thank you so much. To those of you who take this forward and want to try and give it to somebody else, everybody, once again, you nodded your head, probably, to the part where I said people don't seem, feel, or heard. Now, can you be the big person, the bigger person, and at least on occasion say, that's what all these other people are feeling too, while I'm feeling it? Let me try and see and hear that, even though I am not seen or heard either. Just for a moment. Just for a moment. It means the world. Okay. All right. That's my big challenge to you. Let's talk about Pussy Juice! Ladies, did you know if you have a wet pussy, that's a medical problem? It's a, it's a problem that affects women's pussies. Uh, approximately 98% of women's pussies uh, from somewhere around the age of, I don't know, 14, 13, whatever age I give is going to be gross here, uh, up until uh, somewhere around like 105, 110, I believe, is the medical, uh, is the medical information on that one. Uh, so the cause of this, uh, apparently there's a lot of terminology for it, for wet pussyitis. Uh, there's a lot of uh, terms for it. Uh, there's horny, there's spanky, there's likey, there's daddy. These are all different terms that women could use for it, just so you know. Uh-huh. Uh, it's got a lot of root causes. It says here, being listened to, having the small of your back touched consensually, and Lorenzo Lamas are all reasons why this could happen to you at home. <laughs> when I when I when I wrote this, I said there's no way I'm gonna be able to actually say Lorenzo Lamas and not crack up, but I actually got fucking through it. I can't believe it. <laughs> I did not think that I would pass that laugh test. That was amazing. Woo! <laughs> if you're suffering from this medical uh, illness and malady, uh, I encourage you to call and work sick. Because <laughs> you don't want to spread your wet pussy juice around all over your place of employ. I mean, it is discharge, and it is contagious, so you need to, you need to really be careful, you need to really think about it, ladies. Still Jesus Christ. I will never get over the fact that I was just listening to that dude. And then all of a sudden he started talking about how he's never turned his wife on. That's just such a... I can. It's been a month and it's still... It's still... Like he actually went out of his way goes, My wife, the doctor, assured me that... Dot, dot, dot. Like he didn't say it exactly like that, but it's pretty close. And I just... Imagine. Just imagine if a man said that to you. Imagine... And you have to keep a straight face because he signs your paycheck or some shit. Like, you can't react the way that you want to when a man says those words to you. 
Has he walked it back? Has he pulled it back? I know that they can't, conservative men, but, like, has he... So he he's just doubling down. <sighs> Can I say the worst, like, revenge fantasy I've ever had? Like, the worst revenge fantasy I've ever had was against... This is bad, and I realize this is bad, and you can't do this. I'm, I'm, I'm almost wondering if we might have to bleep this out, and then everybody uh, who hears the recording uh, will just have to wonder. If I could fucking get on a debate stage with Ben Shapiro, I don't want to debate most of these assholes, but Ben Shapiro I do. If I could get on a debate stage with Ben Shapiro, you would all have the best fucking time for however long he'd be willing to stay on this Bronco. You would have the best time because I would pretend like I was going to debate him, but all I would actually do is just be using multimedia slideshows to insult the ever-living shit out of him. And the one thing that I would want to do more than anything, more than anything, like I've really had like fantasies about like on hikes and shit, like what working out before I discovered weed and shit. Like I had like fantasies and this is what got me through it. It was like debating Ben Shapiro. I know how sad I I could have sex with such beautiful women. They sometimes offer themselves up to me two at a time, literally. I could be having such fantasies and such sex, and instead I'm mopping, thinking about Ben Shapiro. I know how fucking sad I am. I know how pathetic I am. I hear it. But the one thing that I know that I could get Ben Shapiro in, because he does not like women's sexuality. He does not like it. There's some of these men who pretend because it's good for ratings, and there's some of these men who actually find sex icky. And he's the second. I know. I can sense it. And so I know I could lure him into a box canyon situation where I probably wouldn't have to lure. I could probably just wait. Just wait for him to talk about how women are whores. I just could. He just would. He kind of can't help himself. But if I had to set him up, you know that Ben Shapiro would agree to the premise that women who have naked pictures on the internet are lesser. I can get him to agree to all kinds of that. And then as soon as I did, as soon as I did, I would use the multimedia to show off pictures of his naked sister. Because there's a lot of pictures of Ben Shapiro's naked sister on the internet. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. And I would go through each and every one with her face obscured, right there in front of his little fucking face. Every last one. And I thought about this, like, would you really do this? And you have a sister, Jack. What if somebody did that to you? What if somebody did that to you? Like, I thought about that. I really thought, this is some horrible shit. Like, this is hurting some lives. I thought about that. And I thought, well, I'm not... I don't know anything about her sister. But I, the only thing I know about Ben Shapiro's sister is that she has naked pictures because I jerked off to them not knowing it was Ben Shapiro's sister. That's a true story. That's a true story. That's a true story. <laughs> I like amateur porn. I jerked off to her. Someone later informed me that was Ben Shapiro's sister. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> no! His sister is fucking hot. You can look her up. Oh, whatever. See, I don't know. No, I have no shame whatsoever. What? Why? See? Just because she's Ben Shapiro's sister doesn't mean she's icky. You got? Is she bad? She might be bad. She might be icky. Who knows? But 
that doesn't mean it. And they were pictures. I wasn't jerking off to her political philosophy. <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> She has taken over YouTube home pages? Really? Well, then maybe maybe we need to just start showing these naked pictures of her anyway. Uh, not really. See? That's bad. That's revenge, and it's bad, and you don't do that. I'm really, I mean that. I'm not just wink-wink, nudge-nudging. That's actually bad. But it does piss me off if she is a conservative woman. If she's... If she's in any way harping against women... That really pisses me off that she has naked pictures up. And she only gets past it because she's Shapiro. So is she conservative? Because goddamn her. Because then that then spread the message far and wide. She is? Son of a bitch. She's a baby Ben? Is she dumb? I guess she has to be if she's a baby Ben. I hate that I jerked. See, I hate that I jerked off to a dumb woman much more than I did to a conservative woman. I call that the Lara Logan special. Nobody knows who Lara Logan is, but that was a great joke. Because <laughs> she was very attractive and she was evil. <laughs> uh... I used to call her and women like her war kittens. Just just very attractive women who would go on shows going like, everybody loves us so much in Iraq and Afghanistan. Everybody just loves us over there so much. It's like a it's like a parade. I mean, I I almost didn't want to come back. It's just so amazing bringing democracy to the rest of the world. Yeah. There's some real evil women. <laughs> there are evil women. You don't have to look too hard to find them. There are actual evil women. And Lara Logan was one of them. Uh... <laughs> hey, guess what, guys? You may not have guessed it from that, but she's blonde and white. You never would have guessed, would you? Come on! You never would have guessed the person saying that shit was a blonde white girl, huh? Pretty blonde white girl is saying that shit? Come on. You never would have guessed. You never would have guessed. Her quotes, you could seriously like just take lots of Lara Logan quotes on various things like meet the press and then just take like, is it Regina? Is that the name of the head mean girl? Was it, was that Rachel McAdams name? Was she Regina? You could just take random Regina and random Lara Logan quotes, spread them apart. It would be really difficult to tell the difference between the two of them with a flat delivery. <laughs> wow, I got a weird... We went weird places on this one. Oh, maybe I should always be away for a while, you know? <laughs> Backstage pass, Claire, her boss had said. This singer is the hottest thing right now. I dare anyone to say I don't know how to give great gifts. <laughs> that was yesterday. Being Saturday and her birthday, Claire had woken up wondering she'd enjoy the concert. It did not disappoint. The musician, Troy, owned the stage 
and sang from his soul. <laughs> he looked up, and his eyes met Claire's. To Claire, it was like time had stopped in the few seconds they connected. When the concert ended, Claire showed her backstage pass and was allowed access. She found Troy sitting alone in a room, strumming a soothing melody. Claire was content to just stand there and stare at his beautiful form. But there must have felt an eyes on him because he looked up and smiled. <laughs> this is such... I know that we read wish fulfillment, but this is amazing. You're the lady from the front row. He said, yes, it's me. His eyes were so beautiful. Claire thought she could get lost in their blue depths. Performance was <laughs> splendid. Claire said, it's my birthday. <laughs> Today's your birthday. Claire nodded. Troy smiled and drew his guitar closer and sang happy birthday to you. His eyes, never leaving her face. Make a wish, Troy said. Claire didn't know if it was the way his t-shirt stretched tautly across his chest or the way his slim fingers strummed the guitar, but something made her say, I wish to be kissed right now. Troy dropped the guitar and went to Claire. The kiss was hot and passionate, their tongues seeking, discovering. Claire gasped when his hand slipped under her blouse and unsnapped the front clasp of her bra. Her breath caught when she freed a nipple and stroked it with her ravaged mouth, their breaths ragged and heavy. Claire reached for his t-shirt and pulled it over his head and returned the favor with her blouse when he slipped a finger inside her wet heat. She thought she would die from all the pleasure. Pinned against the wall, Claire let out a small cry when Troy dropped to his knees and sucked her hot, sweet nectar. His tongue on her clit was torture and paradise. She could feel her nubs swelling as his tongue worked. Suddenly, Troy stood up and started removing his belt. His harness pressed against the stiff material of his jeans. I want to bury myself in your sweet, moist core. Troy said as he undressed, you're so beautiful. He should have just said that. He sprang free and Claire's eyes grew wide. Troy was mass. He pinned her against the wall again and hooked one of her legs around his waist. Then he entered her in one determined thrust. He filled and stretched her as he pounded her while they were both standing up. He withdrew till they were barely in her before slamming into her dripping wetness. They were both panting now. Claire felt empty when he pulled out, but he smiled and said, I just want to be inside you, in another position. Claire turned around and bent down and held her ankles, offering herself to him from the back. He held her waist and entered her. Claire thought she would combust from pleasure. He felt under her and stroked her swollen clit and thrust into her until Claire cried out. Then he pulled out again and helped Claire into an upright position. I want to feel you in yet another angle. He said he lifted Claire and wrapped her legs around his waist. She closed her eyes in ecstasy. He was buried deeper than she would have thought possible. And yet, he held her in his arms while he stood upright, his thrusts sleek and sharp. Claire's wetness massaged his velvety hardness, and his quick thrust ravaged her. He bent his head and caressed her head and nipples with his tongue. She couldn't take it anymore. A rainbow exploded in her vision, and she trembled violently. You're so beautiful, baby, he said again. And then he let out a guttural cry as he tore her. When they dressed up, 
Troy saying happy birthday to you all over again. <laughs> That's psychotic. I can't. I tried, Story. That's fucking psychotic. That's insanity. That's insanity. That's so embarrassing. Women like it when I sing. I can only imagine the fucking cringe of me singing it a second time right after I fucked one. What the fuck? Where are you going tomorrow night? He asked her. Oh, what are you doing tomorrow night? He asked her. Nothing. Claire smiled. Absolutely nothing. After the concert by Clara. <laughs> that second happy birthday also i hope i's never leaving her face just picks up the guitar looks right at her face and just immediately right back in again happy birthday just every time he fucking here's the thing that she doesn't know every time he comes inside a woman he picks up his guitar and plays <laughs> I can't. The other thing that I can't. The other thing that I can't get over is just such a minor detail, but they never come back to it. He owns the stage, but he's still sitting backstage. I want you to think about that. Imagine you own the fucking stage, but you sit backstage. Imagine you own the theater, but you sit backstage at your theater instead of your boxer gallery. Imagine that shit. That's some Birdman stuff. Oh, Nadira, you're so fucking funny. <laughs> Someone linked the Puss in Boot Cats with the strumming cat gif. I know somebody knows what I'm talking about. There's a kitty, he's strumming it like his name is Sancho. Fucking love that one. Ah. <sighs> Happy birthday. Just a magic crawling off you. Come still inside you. I mean, that was a pounding, too. That was a pounding! He... He stretched, pushed, and opened her, I believe was the wording, with one thrust. That's, that's, a, that's some fucking. <laughs> Thank you, Sierra. Mm, that's gonna hurt. I don't know. It doesn't have to hurt. If I get you wet enough, I can push in once, open you up. It's not too bad. Or you'll be like, you'll do that pain, you're like, ah, oh, don't move, oh, don't make me leave. Oh, don't move. Oh, don't move. I always love it when you're inside a pussy and she's like, don't fucking move. Don't fucking move. Like, I don't, lady, I don't know how you think this works, but that is not going to be an option. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm willing... I'm willing to I'm willing to pause it. I'm willing to slow it down. I'm all open for direction, but uh I did not consent to sticking my erect penis inside you and then just holding still. <laughs> I'm a strong man. I'm a good man. There are fucking limits. <laughs> oh, don't move. Baby, I'm not even in yet. Oh, no, I'm very shy. Ah. 
I believe it was the comedian Mark Curry who talked about fucking a woman from behind who was so vocal that he legitimately thought that there was an emergency happening in the street and he's just fucking her from behind. All of a sudden she's like, (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing I don't kiss and tell, because my stories would not be much more polite. As a bland, characterless, multinational office goes, Sarah could have been worse. She had long ago learned to tune out the indistinct hum of printers, copiers, coffee percolators, ringing phones, and stifled chatter. It had become white noise, almost therapeutic, when she allowed herself the time to concentrate on it. But time was not something Sarah had much of anymore. Everything was urgent. Everything had a deadline. The office had become her life, and her life had become the office. Her routine was to wake up on Monday, dress, eat, commute, work, return, wash, repeat. She may as well copy Monday and paste it through every week until Sunday, when she could spend her free time prepping to begin all over again. Sarah! had lost the spark somewhere along the way, and she felt it. A vague feeling that she was missing something essential. Every time she left a room, she patted down imaginary pockets, a subconscious bodily tick that she had acquired somewhere in the last two years, as though she always felt she had forgotten something. That sensation was with her every moment of every day. But it wasn't her keys she had mislaid. It was something far more fundamental than that. Sure, she had her little rebellions. Every now and again, she would slip out for a cigarette and enjoy its badness. Perhaps once a month, she would wear something sexy beneath her charcoal trouser suit. Something only she could know and touch. Her little secret. Her little mutiny. It was only a little thing, but it made her stand taller, walk bolder, and smile a little more than usual. She needed to protect it, to rebel, it often would be to trample the embers. It would no longer be special. But it was no longer enough. She stopped counting the months since her last date, let alone her last fling. She wondered what had happened to her. She used to take risks. She used to be spontaneous. She was embarrassed that she had traded all in for a t-shirt bra and a competitive wage. She wanted more than anything to reconnect with herself, and she knew it wouldn't happen unless she took a risk and made it happen. Today, though, she did feel special, and she would make it happen whatever the cost. She had to open a valve and release the dangerous pressure that she'd allowed to build unchecked. And then there was Mark. Mark was new. Sarah interviewed him for a job, and she had found herself uncomfortable during it when she realized... She was flirting with him. She remembered blushing after she accidentally said, Oh, really, when he had mentioned he was flexible in any position. At 27, he was five years her junior, smart, clean, arrogant, intelligent. Ever since the interview, there had been something intangible between them, an awkwardness that belied attraction. The mature thing would have been to ignore it, to even make a joke about it, and let it extend no further than a misguided kiss at an office party. But Sarah wanted a break from maturity. And Mark was going to provide it. She glanced at Mark from her desk. She was sorting through papers at his own desk. She brought up an instant messenger and began to type. Sarah says, Mark, there's an emergency in the office. Sarah watched. Mark read the message and his brow ruffled a little in confused alarm. His eyes shot across the office and met hers. He registered the mischievous, the mischievous look on her face. Mark says, hello, Sarah. 
What's the nature of your emergency? Sarah says, very soon there's going to be an unannounced fire drill. Mark says, there is? Sarah says, yes, everyone's going to leave fast. Mark says, so the office will be empty. Sarah says, the two of us should stay behind and make sure everyone gets out safely. I just promote you to assistant fire officer. Are you up to the task? And Mark responds, there's only one way to find out. Sarah stood slowly with a devious smile growing across her face, sauntered nonchalantly over to the wall, and checked that no one was looking, grabbed the lever for the fire alarm, and pulled. The office suddenly became alive with noise as obnoxious alarms began to screech, and people began to clamor away from their desks. Everyone out! Now! demanded Sarah over the urgent noises. She stood by the fire escape door and held it open and pushed her colleagues out one by one like paratroopers from a plane. Mark was last, and before he could leave, Sarah clammed. <clears throat> Sarah slammed at the door closed. It was just her and him in the loud, empty office. She pressed her back against the door and took him by the tie, pulling him to her, and without a word, they kissed hard and urgently. He wrapped one strong hand around the back of her head, gripping her long hair, pressed his weight into her. The sprinkler system switched on, and they were doused as they kissed, as though the heat between them might cause them to ignite. The cool water poured over them, drowning the fragrance of his aftershave and causing his white shirt to cling to his tall, slim frame. With one hand, she explored his body, and with the other, she unbuttoned her pants and slid her hand inside. Mark stepped back, still holding her hair, pressed against her in the fire-escape door, and watched her pleasure herself in anticipation of him. He listened to her quickening breath and the growing pleasure he listened to her quickening breath and the growing pleasure of her body as the sprinklers drenched over them. We only had five minutes, she whispered almost to herself. They locked eyes. You need to fuck me. And you need to do it right now. She slid her suit pants down and kicked them off. She stood in heels, dark laced uh, stockings shrouding her long, creamy legs, silk suspenders and a lace thong with her hand inside her shirt and jacket. With her free hand, she quickly undid Mark's belt and zipper and found him hard, thick, and ready. She pulled it out and stroked it as she stroked herself and then pulled him to her, lifting her leg to his waist. She held Sarah's leg around him and felt her wetness as she guided him inside her. She grasped and took control as he took control and began to slowly push inside, little by little. She wanted all of him immediately, and she wasn't prepared to wait. She began to grind up and down him, filling herself with him, holding him at the back of the neck for leverage, and the other hand still pleasuring itself, enjoying the firmness of the grip in her hand. Mark lifted her leg a little higher so she was on tiptoes and stroked long, satisfying strokes in and out of her. Sarah could feel his strength. He was essentially lifting her off the ground and pressing her into the door like he was going to fuck her through it. Her legs became weak and a familiar wave of pleasure rolled up her body and she began to melt, meet his thrusts with her own as she edged closer and closer. The waves of pleasure began to mount and evolve into bodily convulsions that gripped Mark tightly as he entered her, bringing him closer to his own peak. They gripped tightly to one another, Sarah's fingernails digging into Mark's neck and Mark's fist pushing Sarah's head to one side, up by her hair. Sarah's free hand working furiously on herself, her legs weakening further with every flick 
of her finger. Their faces were both turned to the ceiling, eyes closed, mouth open, soaking wet and moaning loudly. Finally, Sarah allowed the wave to crash down on her, and every muscle seized, hot convulsions shattering her whole body, breathing obscenities through the gritted teeth. The convulsions gripped and massaged Mark within her, causing him to lose control, and he released a visceral growl as he climaxed inside her orgasm-racked body. Exhausted, they slumped into each other, smiling until the water, under the water, still cascading over them, the sound of the alarms returning their senses. They pressed their foreheads together and kissed. The fire brigade was arriving. It was time to go. With Sarah, there was always a deadline. Fire Escape by Katie Thorne that was hot. Oh, goodness gracious. I think that is going to be... I asked for more smut, uh, but I think that is going to be it. I think that's a pretty good close out for the show. That was very hot. We got like a, a really uh, silly piece. We got a really hot piece. I like that. We had lots of poetry, lots of love letters, and all the rest. Uh, I know singing is not my favorite. Uh, is not the favorite thing for everybody. Uh, so why not put it at the the end here? <clears throat> this will be a nice little way to close us out. Thank you again. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to everybody else uh, in your life. Try and be nice to a stranger. Try and say you see a stranger without being weird about it. Because, like, as a guy, you know, I got to be cognizant. I don't want to walk around to, like, women, like, especially, like, younger single women, be like, I see you. You matter. You know, like, you know, try and extend it to everybody. Just, you know. See a stranger. Come on out for a live show next week, next Friday. Say hi. Say that you like the podcast when you like the podcast. Share the podcast when you like the podcast. All that good stuff. It really does mean a lot to me. <clears throat> In the night, I was flying back to you. It was black. Tell the sea of lights turned blue. Finally, it's all over. Now I can close my eyes. Thought, feel a feeling I thought I'd burn away in own skies. I've been shaking thoughts I couldn't escape. In I've been hoping that these city streets would swallow me whole. I've been thinking that I wasn't gonna make it, but I'm almost home. When I left, you said hope to see you soon. But the end was grown so cold inside this Finally, it's all over, and now I can close my eyes, feel a feeling I thought I'd burn away in the horn sky. I've been shaking thoughts I couldn't escape, and 
And I've been hoping that these city streets would swallow me whole. I've been thinking that I wasn't gonna make it, but I'm almost home. I've been shaking thoughts I couldn't escape. I've been hoping that these city streets would swallow us whole. I've been thinking that we weren't gonna make it, but we're almost home. Alright guys, I did not nail that as much as I wanted to. I'm still very embarrassed about singing. I know a lot of you are going to say that was great, but it wasn't because it was so much fucking better before I got nervous about public singing. I got to get over it, though. That is Roken, R-O-K-E-N. The name of the song is Red Eye. And I fucking love that the name of that song is Red Eye because people will have no idea when the name of that song is Red Eye, but it's so sweet and nice. That's the show. Next Friday, come on out. There will be a podcast next Thursday. I dearly believe i was way too bored for way too long thank you very much spread the word you're all very 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 kind to me my eyes are closed because i'm blushing i really need to get over my shyness when it comes to singing i'm trying so hard thank you see you next week bye